Hi, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to worship. Welcome to Schweitzer today. We're glad you're here. It's going to be an awesome day of worship. I'm Jim, and I serve as a pastor and a host for our experience. Today, we continue our sermon series called As It Is in Heaven, as we're exploring the Lord's Prayer, the gift of prayer. Pastor Spencer will lead us through the Gospel of Matthew. We'll dive deeply to see how Jesus continues to teach us how to pray, connect with God, connect with each other. God has a message for us all today. If you're a guest with us, first time, really glad you're here. Thanks for being here. We have a gift for you. It's a Starbucks digital gift card. Check in with us and we'll send it out right away. If you've been with us for a while and enjoy this experience, invite a friend, share this. We really appreciate that. And now let's check in with Stephanie, who's going to tell us more about what's going on at Schweitzer. Hi, I'm Stephanie. Each week we continue to see new faces both here on campus and online. If you're interested in learning more about Schweitzer, our mission and our vision and our values, we'd invite you to join our next All In event on Tuesday, March 23rd at 6 p.m. virtually. You can find out more at sumc.co slash allin. Easter is one month away. On Sunday, April 4th, we'll be hosting two big Easter services right here on the Schweitzer campus under a big tent. The 9 a.m. service will have traditional worship and the 11 a.m. service will be modern worship. Both services are for all ages and will last less than an hour. Between the services at 10.15 a.m., Schweitzer Kids will host an extravaganza at nearby Pittman Elementary School. This event is for kids up to 12 years of age and should be great fun. We look forward to seeing you. We are so excited about all of the upcoming Easter events and we would love for you to help us share the news. To make inviting even easier, we've created special Take 10 packs that include 10 invitations that you can share with coworkers, neighbors, relatives, anyone you can think of. These packs will be available here on campus at church beginning on March 14th or anytime you can pick them up at the church office between March 14th and Easter. Thanks for helping us share the news about Easter at Schweitzer. Prior to Easter, on April 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, we'll be hosting a very special Outdoor Stations of the Cross event. This interactive activity, also available online, will guide you through the hours leading up to Jesus' death. Find out more about all things Easter at sumc.co slash Easter. Thanks, Stephanie. We appreciate you. We invite you to engage today. There's a chat feature on your screen. Go ahead and say hello to your friends. Also, if you'd like to receive prayer, there's a prayer button. We would love to pray with you. And now let's, uh, let's worship God. Let's enjoy and celebrate each other. KJ is going to lead us in song.
As we come to this time of prayer together, what a privilege it is to, uh, to pray, to share our thoughts, our mind, our words with God, to be in communion with each other and with God. Today, I invite us to pray centered around faithfulness. First, let's look back. Let's reflect and remember. Remembering is part of the spiritual life. Let's remember a time when God has been faithful. It could be through an ex experience or a person that God has sent into our lives, could be at work, at home, 
whatever. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to illumine our mind, in other words, to bring to mind a time that God has been faithful, and let's thank God for that. And now as we continue praying together, let's look forward. Let's look to the future. What is it that we need to trust God with? Is it our lives, an experience, uh, perhaps a space? Uh, what is it that we need to give to God to yield, to surrender? And so now I invite us to, again, invite the Holy Spirit uh, to help us in our prayers. And let's look to the future. What is it that we need to trust God with? God is faithful in our past and in our future. Now let's, uh, let's pray together. Holy God and kind, kind Father, we are thank you, thankful that we can trust you in all aspects, in all seasons of our lives. We know that we can try to understand too many things. Uh, so God, we just give it to you. We surrender. Lord, we, we know that you seek the best for us. So Lord, uh, again, have your way with us, Holy Spirit. We trust you, we love you, we praise you. It's in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we pray, amen. As we come to this time of offering, we thank God for God's generosity over our lives and care and providing. We thank you also, the Holy Spirit moving in you that makes you generous, reflecting God's character. Your ministry, your giving really matters every day. And one of the primary ways that you support ministry here is through the caring ministries, your giving. We, for example, have sent over a thousand cards to people who needed hope and encouragement last year coming from the ministry staff and servants. Also over 300 Journey Through Grief booklets were sent to people who have lost loved ones, providing real comfort, deep comfort and hope and encouragement. So again, your ministry matters. And I'd like to read from you now a card sent to us from a recipient, a person who was blessed by these ministries. Hear these words. She writes, the way you care for members of our congregation is truly amazing. From health issues, hospital or home visits, to preparation for funeral planning, to guidance for family members following death. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. And Christian love, Peggy. Wow, we're encouraged by encouraging you. Thanks again for your generosity. It really matters every day, now and eternally. And we can continue to give by going to sumc.co slash give. And now let's continue to worship as Marsha Mankin leads us. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. 
Welcome, friends. My name is Spencer. This is going to be part three of our series called As It Is in Heaven. We're going to be celebrating communion in just a few moments, so you might want to have that ready for yourself at your house. Um, as we go through this, part three of As It Is in Heaven, we're looking at the Lord's Prayer. We're spending six weeks uh, looking at the Lord's Prayer phrase by phrase, unpacking it, and asking this question of, of what does the Lord's Prayer teach us about how to pray? Because when you think about the Lord's Prayer, that's really what the, the whole point of the prayer is, is, is teaching us how to pray. It's a, it's a how-to teaching that Jesus gives us to learn how to do this. And, and what I just said that's really important about prayer is we have to learn how to pray. None of us are just naturally good at this. Many of us are frustrated and we're tired and we don't, we don't really understand what to do. And so we look at the Lord's Prayer to learn how to, how to pray and how to learn how to, how to grow into this. And so we're looking at the Lord's Prayer each week, just unpacking it phrase by phrase to ask this question, what does this teach us about how to pray? Uh, this is six weeks of the series also goes during during the season of Lent. So many of us are probably taking things on or maybe we're giving things up and we're, we're focusing ourselves and preparing for Easter. And so as we do this as a church, we're going to be talking about prayer. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter six today. Uh, the Lord's Prayer is a few of the verses we're going to read because we're going to read this whole section that Jesus says um, about prayer and what he teaches here. And so it starts in uh, verse five. And here's what Jesus teaches about prayer. He says this, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans for they think they will be heard because there are many words. Do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And then verse nine, here comes the Lord's prayer. This then is how you should pray. 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then the section on prayer ends with two more verses. Jesus says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And so there we have uh, this teaching on prayer. Now, every week we're reading the same passages and we're just looking at the Lord's Prayer phase, um, phrase by phrase to see what does this teach us about how to pray. So this is week three. We're our third idea here. It's, uh, it's found in, in verse 11. Jesus tells us very simply, give us today our daily bread. So we're going to unpack this phrase today. What does it mean? And then what does it teach us about how to pray? And as we unpack this, what we're going to do is really look at three words here about, about give us today our daily bread. We're going to look at three words, our daily and bread. And to unpack that though, we're going to look at them backwards. So we're going to go bread, daily, and then talk about ours. We're going to talk about those three words, our daily bread, but just look at them backwards. And so we're going to start, of course, with this word bread. Bread is one of those words that when you read through the Bible, it is uh, one of those words that's easy to gloss over and miss how significant this word is in really the story of Scripture because bread is one of those things that you see in significant places in the Bible. For instance, I think about what Jesus says, John chapter 6. Jesus says this, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He actually says that three times in John chapter six. And he says that right on the heels of feeding 5,000 people with a few loaves of bread. <laughs> bread is a significant thing that we see in the Bible. Um, I think about Matthew chapter two, Jesus is in the wilderness, right as, or Matthew chapter four, I'm sorry, right as he's beginning to start um, his public ministry. In Matthew chapter four, verse two, we read this. It says, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he, Jesus, was hungry, which is like, duh, of course he's hungry. He's been fasting 40 days, 40 nights. Verse three, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become, what is it? Bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The, this bread is this, is this sustenance that we are given both spiritually and physically. It's this thing we see throughout scripture. And of course, if you're talking about the significance of bread in the Bible, you, you have to talk about the manna in the desert. Do you remember the story of the Israelites? They just are, are rescued from slavery in Egypt. And, and uh, as they're coming out of, out of slavery, uh, Moses leads them and, to the Red Sea and God parts the waters and they're delivered from slavery. They're delivered from the Egyptians. The greatest miracle in the Old Testament, the parting of the Red Sea, it's in Exodus chapter 14 and 15. In Exodus chapter 16, right after this, like the very next day after the, uh, the Red Sea is parted, this is what we read. Exodus 16, verse two, it says, in the desert, the whole community, all of the Israelites who were just freed from slavery, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Catch that word there, grumbled. They're grumbling against Moses and Aaron, which is just a staggering idea. They just saw the Red Sea part. They were just freed from, from slavery in Egypt, and now they're grumbling against Moses and Aaron, and here's why. We keep reading here. Verse three says this, the Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. Let me say that more accurately to how they were probably saying it. If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. Probably say it like my kids say when they complain about things. If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat 
and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. They're like, oh, do you remember how nice it was back in Egypt? Do you, do you remember how much food we had? Oh, we had pots of meat. It was all over the place. We had all that we wanted. And they're like, man, I would kind of like to go back to that. That was so nice. That food was so good. And Moses has to hear this and be like, what? Do you not remember? You were slaves. You were, you were making bricks for generations, 400 years of slavery and oppression. And like, you want to go, you want to go, you want to go back? It's, it's really staggering, really. Like, like you want to go, you want to go back to what, what this, what this is. But, but I think what, what happens with these, these folks is they lose sight of, of the miraculous of God is there's, there's something about human nature that takes place in this that, that like the Israelites, I mean, kind of we're all like this, where God is faithful. He comes through for us. He provides for us. He moves for us. And then, and then we, we encounter a new crisis and we're like immediately stressed out. We're immediately, uh, focused on what's wrong, even though God has come through for us in the past, like God is faithful, but we like immediately forget his faithfulness as soon as there's a new crisis in front of us. And this is the Israelites, like there's a new crisis and they just, they have forgotten the faithfulness of God. God is faithful, we are forgetful, but because God is faithful, the story keeps going here, verse four, it says, the Lord said uh, to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are go out each day and gather enough for that day. Now, the next several verses are explaining how this is going to work. We're going to skip that and go to where it's the next day and, uh, and the bread from heaven is there. So verse, verse 14 says, When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. And when the Israelites saw it, they, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as, as much as they need. Take, take an omer for each person you have, you have in your tents. So the Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they gathered it by the omer, the one who had gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. And then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. Now, why, why is that? Why no leftovers? Well, because you don't need them. Because tomorrow, God is going to provide for you in the same day. And the day after that, he's going to provide for you again. And the day after that, he's going to provide for you again. Every single day, God is going to be faithful. You have no need to stockpile and no need to collect, and no need for leftovers because every single day, God is going to be faithful. But as human nature is, sometimes we forget this. And so verse 20, one of my very favorite verses in the Bible, says, however, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They forgot the faithfulness of God. And instead, they kept part of it until morning, but then it was full of maggots and began to smell. I love that verse. It's full of maggots and began to smell. Like when you don't trust God, this is, this is what takes place. And so Jesus says to pray for our daily bread. And as we think about the significance of bread in the Bible, I mean, we think about these really highly significant things in the scripture that we see. Jesus saying that he's the bread of life, the temptation where Jesus tells us we don't live on bread alone, but on the word of God. We think about manna in the desert. And that's just three examples out of many that I could have given you today, but I just don't have time out of how significant this bread is. But, but as we see this, this bread represented to us in the scripture, we see the way that God is faithful. 
that God provides for us and he takes care of us and he does this every single day. Which brings us to the second word I wanted to talk about. So our daily bread, we're going backwards. We talked about bread. Let's talk about the word daily. Daily bread. And as we think about this word daily, I, I can't help but think of something else that Jesus said. Because just a few verses, it's something like 12 verses after Jesus tells us to pray, give us our, 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 bread, our daily bread. It's like 12 verses later, in the same chapter, Jesus talks about how God is faithful every single day. And this is what Jesus says. This is Matthew 6, verse 25. He says, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, but your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow you'll worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Why do you not have to worry about tomorrow? Well, because God is faithful tomorrow. Why do you have to worry about the day after that? Because God's going to be faithful on that day. Every single day, God is going to be faithful. God is faithful. God has always been faithful. God is faithful. God will always be faithful. His faithfulness is, is unending. And every single day, God is going to be faithful. He's always going to be there. And so we don't have to live our lives full of worry about, about how we're going to be provided for or what we're going to have. Every single day, God is faithful. Which brings us to our third word. Our, our daily bread. And as we say this word, our, we, we, we notice that it's written in the second person plural, just like the rest of the prayer is. Our Father who is in heaven, our daily bread, forgive us our sins, our, our debts, our trespasses. Everything is written in this, in this hour, this, this inclusive thing, because this is for all of us. This is not just for a few specific people who get to pray this, but all of us are invited to pray. All of us are invited to this because God has, is, is calling all of us to, to rely um, on him, which, which, which brings up a, a point that, that might make some of us uncomfortable. In fact, I, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had in my work with folks who, who, who struggle with this kind of idea that, that, that God wants all of us to pray for the specific needs that we have in our life. Like, I, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with folks who feel bad somehow that they might pray for the things that they need God to do in their own life. Like, like it's some sort of selfishness to pray for the things that I need God to do for me. And, and so people will feel, feel fine about praying for other people, but they feel kind of weird about praying for themselves. They feel like they shouldn't do this. And, and yet at the same time, we know that our Father loves us and that, and that He wants to hear from us. And we know that if it matters to us, it matters to God. He wants to provide for us. He wants to, to take care of us. He wants to be faithful in our life. And this is why we pray, no matter, no matter if it's for others or for, for ourselves, we're called to pray even for ourselves and our specific needs that we need God to come through for us specifically. We, we are called to pray for these things too. And so, there, of course, there's a, there's a word for this. There's a, a theological word we, we attach to this idea about how God takes care of us. He takes care of our specific needs in our life. And, and so, theologically, a lot of times we'll call this word, we'll, we'll, we'll call it providence. That God is providing for us. 
that God wants to take care of us and that God wants to provide everything that we need in our life. This is what God does. And this is a, a theme that we see throughout the scripture that God provides for us. I think about verses like Psalm 68. From your bounty, God, you provide for the poor. Psalm 115, he provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. Philippians 4, 19, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. This is a consistent theme throughout scripture that God provides for us. He provides for his people. In fact, I think you could say even that the whole storyline of the Bible is the story of God's providence. From him offering covering to Adam and Eve to, to the exodus and the covenants and ultimately how he provided his own son as our savior. This is a consistent story of the scripture about how God is providing for us in, in, in everything that we need. His provision is everywhere. And so for the last, last couple of weeks, I've been preparing for this message and thinking about God's provision. And I've, I've been asking myself a, a kind of it's just a simple question, but it's been rambling around in my brain. I've been driving around town and, and going through things. It's been thinking about this question. And I've been, I've been wrestling with this question and thinking about this for myself. I've just been asking myself, how have I experienced God's provision? How, how have I experienced the God providing for me and taking care of me in my life? And that's a, that's a good question to ask. I encourage, maybe you should write that down and just reflect on it later. How, how have I experienced God's God's provision. And, and really, as I've been asking this question, I've been asking it more like, how have I experienced God's provision lately, recently? Like in my life right now, how am I experiencing God's, God's provision? As I, and as I've been reflecting on this question of how have I experienced God's provision, I've, I've realized that, that as I've gone through different seasons of my life, I've experienced God's provision differently. Like I experience God's provision differently now than, than I used to. I think back, for instance, when, when my wife Abby and I were first married and, and we had like nothing. I mean, we, I was in graduate school going to seminary. She was waiting tables and we had nothing. I mean, we could pay our bills, but like just barely. And we had maybe just a, a couple hundred dollars to our name. And that was like on a good month. Well, God's provision back then in our life was like crystal clear because we were kind of in, in a moment of need and we had our backs up against the wall a little bit and, and we didn't really know how things were gonna happen. And we had like manna in the desert kind of experiences where God provided for us. And, and when you're in those kinds of moments of, of need and you're trusting God with your life, it, it becomes easy to see how God is providing for your needs because you just it's just obvious there. But, but to be honest with you, I, I, that's not the season of life I'm in now. I mean, I can pay my bills at this point. I don't live paycheck to paycheck. I don't have to buy things on credit anymore. Like, like it's a different kind of, of season of life I'm in right now. And as I start to reflect on, on God's provision in my life, sometimes it can be actually a little bit harder to see God's provision when you don't have the same sense of, of need. Because there's a certain temptation that comes along as, as you um, move into your different seasons of life where, where you start to, to look at what you have and what you've earned and achieved, and you start to think of it about in terms of what, what you've done to get these things, how I've made smarter decisions or how I've worked hard or how I've, I've, I've really you know, done, done better myself. And you start to think about this in, in terms of what, what have I done to, to achieve and to have all the things that I have. And there's a certain temptation with that. As you start to, to live into that temptation, you know what happens is you, you usually miss seeing how God is at work in your life. Because as soon as you start to make things about yourself, that's the first thing that goes out the window is you, you stop seeing how God is at work in your life and, and moving around you because you begin to be so focused on, on you that you miss seeing what God is doing 
doing around you. There's a certain temptation to that. And so as I, as I think about my life now in this new season where I'm, I'm, I'm not like in the same moment of need that I used to be, certainly it's tempting to look at this new place and to think it's because of me. But the, but the truth is I have what I have, not because of me, but because God has provided for me, because God has taken care of me. I mean, God is the owner of everything I have. He's the owner of my possessions. He's the owner of my bank account. He's the owner of my career, of my family, of, of all my time. He's the owner of all of it. I'm the steward. He's the owner, which by the way, this is why I teach tithing in our church because it's a practice that reminds us that we are just the stewards of what God has provided for us in our lives. My, my job is just, is just to steward this. And so as I've been reflecting on this question, how has God been providing for me lately? That question led to another question. And I started to ask myself, well, why do I oftentimes think of God's provision mostly financially? Why, why do I oftentimes think of God's provision mostly in, in material needs? And certainly there are times in life where I need God to provide in that kind of way. But in reality, God has provided for me in so many other ways than, than just material. He's provided for me in so many other ways. And as I, as I stop and, and I consider all of the ways that God provides for me in my life, well, I start to learn something about what it means to, to pray, which is really the question we're asking in this series is what does this teach us about how to pray? As we stop and consider this, we start to learn some things about what it means to how to pray. So, so Martin Luther, 500 years ago, uh, starting the Protestant Reformation, he had this teaching about prayer that I found really, really helpful. And um, he teaches that when you, when you pray the Lord's Prayer, what, one of the things you should do is you shouldn't just pray it like rote memorization, like just say the words over and over and over again, which is sometimes what we do in church, but, but rather what we should do when we say the Lord's Prayer and, and pray this on our own is we should take the ideas and use it as a framework in order to, to use really our own words with the same ideas. And so you would you know, take these phrases and, and rephrase them into your, own, into your own words. And so Martin Luther, you know, 500 years ago, starting the Protestant Reformation, he would, he would teach that what you should do with this line, give us today our daily bread, is that we should stop ourselves and ask ourselves a simple question. Okay, what do I need God to provide for me today? What do I need God to provide for me today? And, and it could be that I need God to provide for me financial, material needs, because you know sometimes you gotta pay the bills, you don't know how it's gonna happen. And that might be what I need God to provide for me today. But it might be that there's other things I need God to provide for me. It might be that I'm, I'm facing a really difficult decision today and I need God to give me some wisdom. It, it, it might be that there's a relationship that's just, that's just off and I'm sideways with someone and I got to confront them today and I got to deal with them and, and I need God to give me peace. It, it, it could be that, that I need God to give me encouragement because I'm just really discouraged and despondent and things are down and I just, I need God to come through for me and, and, to, and to bring me some joy and some encouragement in my life. Or, or it could be that I need God to bring healing into my life because I'm sick or there's, there's, there's problems with my body or, or, or something like that. Or, or maybe, maybe I'm lonely and I need God to bring someone to my life. There, I need some friendship. I need some fellowship in my life. Like there's all kinds of ways that God provides for us. And what, what Luther would teach is you need, to, you need to pause and you need to ask yourself, well, what is it that I need God to provide for me today? What is my daily bread that I need? And to be specific in these asks that we have to, to, to lean into this, because here's what happens when you start to rely on God to provide for you every single day in your life. You grow in humility. You grow in trust. And you grow in starting to see that God wants to be involved in every aspect of our life. 
that there's nothing he doesn't want to touch. There's nothing that he doesn't want to be a part of. There's nothing that he doesn't want to lead us in. And as we begin to name these things every single day, what we do is we grow in our ability to trust him. We grow in our relationship with him. We, we grow in these things. And I, I don't care how successful you are. I don't care how much you have. I don't care how, how self-reliant you might think you are. There are still things that you need God to provide for you every single day. And I challenge you to start asking yourself that question. What do I need God to provide for me today? And as you start to name those things to the Lord, here's what I promise you you're going to find. You're going to find that the Lord is faithful, that he keeps his promises, and that he is going to provide for you with the things that we need. He's going to show us his love and kindness and guide us in our life. And he is going to lead us in a way that we can rely on him because he's faithful. He's always been faithful. He always will be faithful. This is his nature and what he's like. And we need to learn how to trust him. But you know what? Ultimately, his faithfulness, it isn't shown in how he answers our prayers. It isn't shown in the things that we have. Ultimately, his faithfulness has been shown to us in what he's already provided. Because his sign of his love for us is that he gave, he provided his one and only son that we might have life eternal and life abundant. And this is really the way that God has provided for us because this is what we really need. And so today we're going to take bread and we're going to take wine and we're going to celebrate the provision of God. How God has provided for you by giving his own son that we might have life. And so we remember together that on the night that Jesus was betrayed and arrested, that he shared the Passover meal with his disciples and that he took bread. And as he took the bread, he broke the bread and he gave it to his disciples. And he told his disciples to eat of this bread and, and to remember him. And he said that the bread represented his broken body, which would be given for them, provided for them. In the same way, he took a cup of wine and as the supper went on, he gave thanks for the wine. He gave it to his disciples and told them to drink it. And as they drank the wine, he said that the wine represented his blood that was shed for them for the forgiveness of their sins. And he called this a new covenant, a promise that as we come before him, he provides for us what we need, forgiveness, life, redemption, rescue, salvation. This is what he gives for us. That no matter what it is that we need, we can rely on him that he's gonna provide. And so today we take bread and we're gonna take wine and we're gonna celebrate the provision of God that he gave his one and only son for us. So in just a moment, we're gonna pray together. And as we pray, I wanna pray that prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, the prayer of the Lord's prayer. But as we prepare our hearts for this meal, let's, let's pray together. And so Father, today I thank you for your provision, of your son given for us. And wherever we are today, as we take this meal, would you pour out your Holy Spirit on us and on these gifts of bread and wine that we might be experiencing your goodness, your provision, your love for us, that you gave your one and only son that we could have life and life eternal. For anyone who's with us today who doesn't know this gift of Jesus, May today be a day where they open their hearts, open their minds, open their lives to you and ask for you to provide. To provide salvation and forgiveness and healing, provide hope and assurance that they could spend everlasting life with you as we just simply offer our lives to you. Lord, would you forgive us our sins that we might follow you. 
And so together, as your children, those who've received your goodness, we pray that prayer that Jesus taught as we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Hey, it's been so good to share this time with you today to celebrate God's provision. God wants to provide for you. So, so what do you need God to provide for you in your life? Ask yourself that question this week and you'll see God is faithful. Hey, thank you to those who helped lead today. Jim, KJ, Stephanie, Marcia, thank you for offering your gifts. You are such a blessing to our church. It's so awesome to, to share in this time with you together um, as, we, as we worship. It's good to be back in our sanctuary to film this. We, we have some new lights, new screens. You may have noticed as we filmed the sermon today, I, I can't wait for you to come back and experience them in person yourself. And uh, I can't wait to share part four with you next Sunday. So join us.